0: I wanted to share some of my favorite qualities that I think not only you should see seek to find in another person to have awesome and authentic relationships either friendships or romance um, but also things that you're capable of within your own nature to possess and put out into this world and lastly the top qualities that I've always associated to the person of Jesus, that I think if you've grown up in organized religion your whole life, you've missed the mark in Jesus's whole identity being rooted in these qualities. So stay tuned. Okay, someone asked me this one time, and I've always, I've just always come back to this question, but do you prefer... A large menu or a small menu at a restaurant. And I remember when this person first asked me, I was like, oh, my God, the large menu, like, the more options, the better. Of course, you got your diners for that example. The freaking diners have, like, eight-page menus. They got everything, every meal, um, everything you could ever want. And I, I, was, I remember being, like, the person at that time where I'm like, give me everything. Like, I just want all of it. Um, and that's kind of how my personality is especially if I start liking something I have a very addictive personality so if something really like attracts me or I get on board with it or I just really like it and it's food and I like to eat it or drink it um, I'm all in and I just go all in excessively until it burns out so I have no self-control in that arena especially music too if A certain song comes out, and I love it. I'll listen to it on repeat 400 times. And then when it gets old, I'll never listen to it again, and I burn it out. So I'm trying to come out of that. (laughs) I can easily admit my weaknesses to you on these episodes because... It helps me, um, but also because I just want to help other people identify maybe if they have the same experiences. Another weakness I have is commitment issues. So again, like that large menu analogy is actually overwhelming for me now. Because why am I going to commit to pancakes when I can have a hamburger? Like why am I going to commit to fries when I get why when I can have sweet potato fries? I just get in these like trust not trust issues but commitment issues where I'm like, well, if I say yes to this and I get full, then I can't have that. And I just want all of the things. So I'm working on it. Um, It definitely happens with food, but it's starting to happen in other areas of my life, Um, committing to relationships and stuff like that. Uh, Even just a shout out to you if you're like 25 and older, uh, commitment to going out. Like I can make plans with you. Hey, you want to go out Friday? Yeah, oh my God, let's do it. And then Friday rolls around and I'm like, why did I say? Yes to this, this is not what I want to do tonight. So I'm gonna to touch on all those um, avenues when I say some of the qualities of a good person to be friends with, but not only that, like I keep I keep saying, you know, pick the qualities of this kind of person to have in your life, but I really want to stress this time around that these are qualities. What I'm about to say is not something that like other people have and it's a gift, it's something that you can choose. For yourself in this life. And they are all things that I chose to integrate into my life. Because I've received them and learned about them through the life of Jesus. And it's just in that whole idea of you can't give what you haven't received. And if we're experiencing these toxic or like really you know, lifeless relationships, or we thought what we had in relationships was really good, and then we meet people who just possess this like great greatness to life. You know, God's really showing us that there's more capacity that we have for greatness. There's more capacity that we have for just life. It's really just life. Um, it's something similar to you know, just the spirit of faith, that whole idea that you walk by faith and not by sight. Like everyone loves to put that on their wallpaper or, you know, write it in their journal. But what that really means is you're walking in this light of faith, which is this thing that you can't see with the naked eye. Like it's this treasure of life that when you possess it and the qualities of it, you know, you don't lose heart. Your nature and like the things around you might be coming and going but your inner nature that interior life is being renewed every single day and the things that you go through aren't really just things they're experiences that you know beyond everything else are shaping you into a great person and if you believe that these treasures and these you know spiritual realities exist within you you get to possess really what second corinthians says that if god is God's transcendent power belongs within us, where God dwells within us. We might be afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair. We might be persecuted, but not forsaken. We might feel struck down, but not destroyed, because we always carry within us the death of Jesus, So that the life of Jesus may be made manifest in our bodies. That we experience those moments of death like Jesus, but immediately resurrection arises. And that resurrection is something I don't think our culture wants to participate in. Like instead of possessing these qualities of faith, endurance, perseverance, goodness, gentleness, patience, kindness... Um, we just participate in self-pity or self-wallowing or we, we love our sadness and we cling to our sadness and we hold on to it. And we don't, you know, I think one of the biggest examples is we don't want to find clarity in the confusion. We just like sitting in that state of confusion. I mean, like every time I talk to people and they're really wrestling with something, I think they stay so much in point A that they never realize like, there's a path to get to point B. Like, you're not meant to be stuck here forever. And they think that they're, like, going to jinx the reality of point B if they think about it long enough. Um, I Yeah, I love when, like, girls are talking to me and they're like, Oh, my God, so I'm talking to this guy, but I don't want to tell you about it because I'm going to jinx it. It's like, okay, superstition, take a hike. Like, we ain't doing this. Or the whole, like, oh, I can't tell you about this new job opportunity because I'll jinx it. Like, all right, karma, get out of here. Like, this is not this is not what this is. Um, but anyway, so my point is that the, the world around us really is this giant menu. And we have been oversaturated with options of all kind. I mean, if we were to make the menu of life, I think the first page would just be, like, identity and then the second page would be like gender and you have all those options now and then the third page would be the list of people you could be friends with and that's 7 billion pages long cuz you could be friends with the whole world technology has made that possible for us and then the next page would be like the flavors of life like what kind of truths do you believe like What kind of truth do you stamp on your forehead? And what kind of quotes do you put in your Instagram bio? And then the next page would be like, what kind of subject do you like studying? And what do you get your degree in? And, you know, what subject in school really kept your attention? And do you like learning about? And then the next one would be like, well, what do you do for physical activity? Do you run, walk, play sports, Peloton? Like, there's just so much of life that we can choose. And I think where we've put all of our focus is that we pick the people in our life to be around who have the same order as we do. You're a football player. 90% of your friends are football players. You like sports and gambling and tailgating. Then all of your friends are going to participate in that. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying I think... 90% of our friends are either our family (laughs) or they're just people that we have similar hobbies with. And I will say that I agree with that in terms of romantic relationships. I think a lot of people start dating because they have something in common together, that one thing that brings them together, not. And it's, it's just like a, a thing they do, the job that they have. And then when you're married, it ends up becoming your kids, like that thing that just brings you two together. But when you're on your own, I mean, do you even like each other? Do you root for the other person? Do you want them and their hopes and dreams and goals to be made manifest in the world? Like, um, I think that's where I really want to get down to the core of, of just great qualities that you can pos- possess as a person, Not the things that you do, but who you are at your core. And again, like look at your relationships. Do you like these people for what they do, especially for you or what they do in the world, or for who they are? And what do I mean by that? When I say, you know, for who people are and not what they do... You definitely have to look at where where you are hungry in the world. Again, I'm just going with this metaphor of menus and hunger. Um, you know, when you're looking at the world and the world is your menu, like, what are you hungry for? And the answer is going to be love. I'm sorry. It's just always going to be love. It's the reason you pick certain things. You pick what you love to study. You pick what you love to do. You pick the people you love to be around. But now you gotta ask that question, like what kind of love is that hunger feeding? And that's the kind of thing I want to address is, is the more that I grow as a person, like I could be listening to this five years from now and be like, Wow, like she totally got that wrong. Hopefully I won't. Um <laughs> But as I've grown and where I'm at in life right now, like that definition of love for me runs so much deeper than if you were to ask me at 16. Like at 16, if I were to order up, you know, the perfect boyfriend, he would have been the hunky football player on the team and just like sweet and cute. And and like that's as far as I would go, like brown hair, brown eyes, like that's as far as I would go. But guess what? Like you're not a football player forever, um you could totally live in that goodness and that hobby but that's not your identity that's not who you are you are not a football player you are whatever his name would have been like that's I think that's what I'm going for and I think that's the reality of you know picking these people in our life to be close with but again really stressing that idea of this is the kind of person that you can be like this is the kind of person Maybe stop looking for it in someone else and start becoming that. Um, the more you allow that spirit of love to just deeply embody you, um, the more you can just become this like free, liberated person. Um, freedom, as in like confident and effortless and not really going with the ebbs and flows of your day or your emotions, but just being a constant. You know, this is my integrity. This is the kind of qualities I want to possess, even if I'm not feeling it emotionally. So again, if we're all hungry for love, then the answer to what we should be ordering in on the menu of life is God. Um, God is love, and that's just a, that's like a one line sentence that has so many layers to unpack. Um but it's it's an order off of a menu that we will get every like I said, like I wanted everything off the menu. like when you say yes to God, everything else is a yes. The relationships are the right ones. Uh, the people you work with become better relationships. you marry the right person, but not only that you have this satisfaction of what it means to be a human being because you're inviting that love in and out of your reality of life and that's why i love the um the creation of seasons like god was so good in creating seasons if if you don't live in a state that doesn't have seasons you've never experienced it or whatever but you know like we have fall winter spring and summer and i've always identified with like seasons as in yeah there are these times in your life where you're experiencing this set of things, but it will go away and it won't be the case anymore. Um, So it's really cool to just see like you're able to bask in the sun at the beach for a couple months and then you're in a winter coat and you're freezing and you hate it. Well, I hate it. But it's this idea that the Lord provides good things and then that those good things, we cooperate with them and we work with them, like in the winter we wear coats, in the summer we don't. Um, we cooperate with what's going on, but it's it's always changing us, it's always changing our mindset, it's always changing our reality, it's always changing, um, and you know, that's why they always say live in the present moment, because it'll be gone. Um, and I don't think that that's a horrible thing, but... But what is constant, right? If the world and suffering and the things we go through are always going to be in that mode of changing and you can't control it, you have to sit in what's uncomfortable sometimes, and even if you love summer, there are 100 degree days with 100% humidity, and you're just so uncomfortable, and even if you love winter and skiing, there are days where it's really cold, and the power's out, and you don't have heat. Um, it's really uncomfortable. So there are parts of our life that are just inevitably uncomfortable, but we can still choose to order that constant love which is God himself who is unchanging and who has promised us things and isn't changing his mind anytime soon and there's nothing that you can bring to the feet of Jesus that he's going to be like yeah I've never seen this I can't handle this like that just does that doesn't exist in his presence the problem is that we either one want to hold on to the things that are chaotic in our life we want to hold on to them or we we just don't know what hope is. We just don't have that sincere hope. And then we can't live out of the boldness of hope. But here's what we can choose. Um, <clears throat> we can choose to ju- just enliven our identity as humans. And that's really what Jesus did when God was like, you know what, I'm going to live this life with them. I'm going to create myself into a human person and live in this awful chaotic messiness with them because he gave us the manual like he gave us the law he gave us the blueprint of living but we still didn't get to see it embodied in a person and when we look at the embodiment of it embodiment of jesus sorry about that we can imagine that this man was free of anxiety. He was free of sin, right? Like, he was just free of those things that sometimes drive us to that perplexed despair, struck down, um, just really doesn't feel supernatural state of living. So what was it that Jesus possessed that we can imitate? And the truth is God, which is everything, um, Jesus showed us that we have everything we need. We just have to exercise it and choose it. Um, So when we look at who Jesus is, the first thing I think that we really have to look at Well, obviously his relationship with God was what everything else flowed from. You know, if you put in your order every morning for your day, like, what am I ordering today? I'm ordering you, God, and then show me what that looks like. So I think every day we can say Jesus really chose to live in the Father's love, the Father's restoration, the Father's relationship, knowing that the Father wanted to give him good things and do things through him. So that comes with the quality of, number one, attunement. Have you ever heard this word? This quality of attunement is something, again, you can possess. And I think we spend our whole lives looking for someone to be attuned to, but we actually have the capacity for attunement. What is it? It's a connection that you feel in the quality of great interaction with another person. So this capacity for attunement, it's effective, it's comfortable. You can sense the rhythm of another person's body language and how they're speaking. It's a deep like you're tuning into them, like almost as if like you turn up the radio, you like what you hear. You're tuning into another person and making the quality of your time with them that much more amazing and it just comes with this like awareness it's it's like a superpower like if you have ever watched um the chosen which is a tv show about jesus he's just so attuned to people he is like this he like almost like as if he bends his Like he bends his head, like he's like tuning into them to get the quality of their interaction. He's sensing their fear. He's sensing their their upset. He's sensing that there is something going on and he's really effective at it and he's so comfortable while he does it. And then he has this deep faith that God wants to free that person from their infirmity, from their illness, from their broken heart, whatever it is and and then what happens is that Jesus attunes to these people and he, they develop this secure attachment so not only an attachment in like oh my gosh i have to possess you not not necessarily that but this development of like this man loves me and cares about me on a fundamental level and i can trust him so this this idea of attunement right you have you have within you The ability to be aware of your own thoughts, of your own thinking, what's going on in your life while tuning in and connecting to another person. This has been a lost art in our world because of social media and because of the effects of that menu metaphor where we can go on our phones, we can talk to anyone we want all day long. But like you're texting someone and it could be emotional. It could be like they're venting to you. It could be these really heavy things. But you're like watching the office and running on your treadmill. So you're attuning to the conversation. But you're really multitasking like five other really crucial things that need your attention as well. And your brain can't take in all of that at once. So you really can only comprehend one of them. That's why, like, I love those moments where someone does text me or something and I'm in the middle of a workout, and if you can get me to stop working out, you've got my undivided attention, but usually I have that ability to be aware, to say, like, okay, I saw this text, this can wait, this person needs me. Texting and driving is another big example, like everyone thinks that the text they have to answer when they're driving is so urgent nine times out of ten it's it's really not um you know that old expression if it was important they'd call so I still believe that that's true but we're so attuned and we're and we're so attuned to like social media and what's going on and like the perspective or the point of view that we make up in our head about another person that we're not attuning to that quality of like no like what is this person's like body language what kind of rhythm are they are they anxious right now are they comfortable are they giddy like what's going on um, and then I think in the same sense I speak on behalf of teenagers when I say this teenagers I love you but I'm going to call out the number one thing that even I did as a teenager. You just are emotionless. Like you guys just don't know how to feel your emotions. Or you like really get preoccupied in them. Or you numb them. There's like no in between. You either want to be sad or like you just don't want to ever be sad. <laughs> There's no happy medium. Like you you don't really attune to yourself. And I was guilty of this for years. And I say that out of love like stop that right now. I think teenagers are afraid to cry, they're afraid to show emotion, they're afraid to ask for hugs or be vulnerable. Um, and by teenagers I mean 16-year-old Shannon. So, like I get it, but I just want you to know like cuz I wish someone told me like your emotions are valid and your feelings are valid. You owe yourself deep connection with yourself and please chase after that before you ever try and have deep connection with someone else. So, read your own body language, like, how are you feeling? What kind of emotions do you feel? Do you feel anxiety? Where do you feel it? I always feel it in my chest. Do you feel it in your head? Do you feel it in your shoulders? Do you feel it in your shaking hands? Like, whatever it is, attune to yourself, have that awareness, listen to your body, understand where it comes from, and then respond. And then again, once you're able to you know, embody this for yourself. It's it's gonna happen right away that you're gonna feel it in other people. So again, have that ability to be aware of your own state of mind and also that of others, and to know that your ability to connect with another person, it's it's like a superpower. Um, it doesn't mean you have to date the person. It doesn't mean that you even have to be friends with the person, but that you can you can possess the qualities of someone who cares and loves another person or all people on a fundamental level. If that's not the God of the universe, I don't know what is because if we're made in the image and likeness of God and the image and likeness of God is Jesus and Jesus had this attunement, this connection, this deep tuning into the quality of the interaction with another person, we can do that. If not anything else, that's what he wants us to do. And that's essentially what prayer is, that there's just always going to be a connection that God has with you where he understands you, he listens, he has an awareness of your life, and he responds and he does something. And we can't expect other people to do this unless we ourselves are working on it. So again, be that type of person who has that deep capacity for attunement, effective, comfortable, secure, fundamental care for another person. Just real quick, what does that look like on a realistic level? Obviously, pray and meditate on what I just said. And you'll understand the ways that you can show that in the world. Um, Some people are really great at eye contact. Some people are really good at like reaching out and hugging people or physical touch appropriately when it's necessary um some people are just really good at like the whole hey is everything okay and then you can get someone to just feel comfortable from saying that there's no right or wrong way to practice attunement but it's it's just an awareness a listening like you understand what someone's going through and you have like a mutual responsiveness where you're not over dominating the conversation Um, you're just really balancing between like hey like do you want advice like asking questions or you know really just listening and the other person probably you know we're all really good at not expecting another person to examine and like fix the situation and you'll know like you're you're you'll be so attuned to what they're saying that you'll be like hey you know I think I have this feeling that you're, you're coming to me thinking I'm gonna fix this but just so you know like This is something that you can do, whatever. Um, But this is going to be uncomfortable. This is going to be a part of your life, like seasons, where you're going to have seasons where you're going to have to attune to people that maybe you don't want to attune to, or you're going to have to do it for work, or you're going to have to do it... Um, with your family during the holidays so again it might feel uncomfortable when you first started even with your friends and it might feel uncomfortable with the people you don't want to be doing it with but as a human being made for deep connection with other people good quality interactions with other people you're never going to regret not doing it even if it's not reciprocated and I can testify to that. I talk to hundreds of people a day and there's probably one or two of them that actually attune back to me. But I never regret giving someone the quality of a great interaction. Because I know at least I can get that from the Lord if I'm not getting it from anyone else. And that's really what matters most. So attunement. Write it down. Make it a household tradition. Second one I've been fixated on for a couple of months um, in a way of... kind of shaming myself i don't believe in shame jesus removed shame from our hearts um but there was a like a defining moment recently where i just don't keep promises i just don't i don't like i don't keep my word um i'll say things and then i just don't do it and i'm gonna get into why i don't because this is how i justify myself But I've been learning a lot about God's ability to keep promises and keeping his word. And the mental blocks of me and myself not being able to keep my word for myself was blocking my ability to see God as a promise keeper. So because I wasn't keeping my word with a few things, I really believed God doesn't keep his word and And his word is contingent on emotions, just like mine is. Um, And that's false. Like, it's so false of God. And that's why if we order God every day on our menu of life, we're going to learn these things of life and these qualities of our humanity that aid to a deeper reality of our humanity. Like, we will just possess more qualities of being a beautiful, flourishing human being. So... When we go back to the beginning, God creates the world and he he vows himself to the world the way a husband and a wife vow their lives to each other. And he vows to always be there. He vows to intervene and resurrect and redeem. He promises that there's an afterlife for us. He promises all these truths that he is love, that he loves you, and he does all things for your salvation and all things for your sanctity and all things for your good. And he doesn't break that vow and just because your life's messy or it doesn't make sense doesn't mean he broke the vow. He's probably just cleaning something in, inside of you that feels or it needs to be healed or feels like it can't cooperate with that covenant. Like if if God comes to kill and destroy certain things in your life or you don't end up with someone that you loved or whatever... It's that deep vow and commitment that God is honoring his word and saying, I didn't give you these things because if I want eternal life for you, this can't be a part of your life. So he makes this unbroken covenant called a vow with us. And I just think of all the times in my life I've made vows to something. I've never been married or stood on the altar to make vows to another person. Hashtag commitment issues. I'm working on it. Um, but I do look at the little vows that I make each day, like I told myself I was going to go to mass on Sunday at this time and then I don't feel like it. I told myself that I was going to go to the gym at this time and do this kind of workout and I don't feel like it. Um, those are really like habitual, you know, vows or just the whole vow, like I'm going to wake up. Up right when the alarm goes off, and then you just like snooze. So little vows, (laughs) little vows. And then I think of the things that I say to to people in my relationships. And if you're listening to this, you can you can testify to my truth. I don't I don't keep vows some of the times when I say things. Um so it's just this like idea that your words, your vows, they come from somewhere, they come from your integrity, from your heart. And The opposite of keeping a promise, keeping your word, keeping a vow, is just, like, this sense of overwhelming chaos and mistrust. So, like, if you don't keep your word, you can get overwhelmed, like, oh, my gosh, I should have been saving this money. I told myself I was going to save money, and I've just been spending it. I'm overwhelmed, um, or you just lose trust in yourself, like, oh, I, I told myself I was going to break up with this person, and now I'm not, and things got worse, and I'm so overwhelmed, and the thing with that is keeping our word isn't always going to feel comfortable. Again, I feel like a big theme of the things I'm going to say comes with, like, discomfort. Like, life is always going to be uncomfortable, but if if there is a power of changing the reality of our situations. It is keeping our word. And it's keeping close to God's word that we we really do find hope. Um, whether you read the Bible and you believe everything it says, or you make a prayer to God and it's really personal and you're going through something and he keeps his word and gets, and gets you out of it. So if you'll join me in life of just being a person who keeps their word, um, there's a lot of room in my life for that, um, just, like, little things, like, stay true to your word, but this also comes with, like, a deep unpacking of your truths, what you believe, what you want to put out into this world, what kind of person you're trying to be, because there's always going to be a cost, um, there's a cost with religion, 100%, where you want to be a person who embodies the faith and embodies that close relationship with Jesus, and then, things or temptations or people come around that make you doubt that word that you've kept with yourself and with God and it's just this temptation to be like wow do i actually believe this or wow like this person got me to think differently like is this actually true um so keeping your word is a very personal thing that again you have to start realizing for yourself like where have i failed to keep my word and how can i work on it and then You know, you will always be faithful to the people in your life because you know how to keep a word and keep a promise Um, and to receive the promises of Christ. Like I know in my life receiving the promises of God's goodness for me has allowed me to say like, wow, yeah, like I want to possess that same quality. So keeping your word is a fruitful thing to possess as a person And just some ways that you can identify in your life. um, If the people you're around don't keep their promises and you're kind of wondering how much you should invest in their relationship, again, it's a very, it comes with a very keen self-awareness. Like you have to know your own, like be attuned to your own self, like where you're feeling anxiety or discomfort. Um, that you will then be able to feel it in someone else. And being grounded in your truth, the truth of what you deserve, if, if vows are good and my relationships depend on other people to keep their word to me or depend on other people to be that type of love that is faithful for me, then I have to call it out when it's not happening. So if someone gets you to question your beliefs, if they blame you for your issues and say that they're your fault, if someone tells you you're too sensitive, Um, if someone says something to you where... They kind of, like, assign motives to your actions that were the opposite of your intentions. That's really not good. I, I ugh, That one's the worst. You have these, like, intentions to do something or to keep your word. And someone was like, you're just doing that to get praise. Or you're just doing that to be liked. And you're like, oh, my God, am I? Like, was that what I was doing? But that was, like, total opposite of your intentions. So if anyone ever projects that on you... Um, or again, you just feel this like deep discomfort around them or you feel that you can't tell them how you're feeling that day or you can't be vulnerable with them or you feel like they can't keep a word or you're just mistrusting the fact that they might, again, if you're dating, they'll cheat on you or they'll try and do something to, to break that covenant or that vow that you have with them. So again, this comes with like some really keen self-awareness. But don't ignore those sentiments of other people when you're around them and and the, the way they make you feel and the type of word that they can't keep. I think the problem, especially with dating, is that we jump into these relationships so fast because maybe we don't have a lot of experience dating or we just eat up all the emotions that it comes with. And then in like two years we pump the brakes and we realize like, can this person actually keep a word? Like I've had to tell them this so many times. Why aren't they following through? Why aren't they keeping their word? Why aren't why aren't they taking seriously what I say? But then you get all this sex and all this emotion and all this like, oh my God, we have so much invested in each other, you've met my parents. That you don't stay true to those beliefs that you make about what you deserve in love and what you know you're not experiencing in its fullness. Um, so keeping your word. Again, this is a quality you should possess first because when you possess it, you'll be able to sniff it out in someone real fast. And obviously, this should bring you closer into God's promise that he keeps with you. And if you've never experienced that, um, I just encourage you to start a prayer life and you'll really see the Lord start to break through in your life. The last quality that you can start to grow in and possess, I actually did a podcast. This was... Um, either my first or second podcast, Emotional Intelligence. I recorded it with my dad um, because if you look back on the episode, he was in this leadership program for his work, and they were learning about emotional intelligence, and they were asked to pick um, leaders in history or people you know who possess emotional intelligence. And when he saw the list of qualities that emotional intelligence involves, he said, well, all of these are Jesus, so I'm going to pick Jesus. And it was just a really cool episode. So I encourage you to listen back on that after this one. But just to remind you um, what emotional intelligence is, it's actually a really deep concept. and, And there are lots of really good books on emotional intelligence. And there was a study done recently that said, the world is really lacking in emotional intelligence. Um, Something like new research documents a decline in emotional intelligence over two decades. So there has been a decline of emotional intelligence. Um, I am going to be that person who blames it on social media. I 100% blame everything on social media. If you haven't gotten that vibe from my episodes yet, then welcome. Welcome to more goodness now. Um, But so uh, emotional intelligence consists of four factors well-being, self-control, emotionality and social social ability, social <laughs> the ability to be social. <laughs> so again, it's that self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation empathy and social skills so again this comes back to a couple of things that i was just saying into in, in attunement and also in keeping your word if you're self-aware and you're self-regulating then you have the emotion the motivation to not only invest in other people but to empathize with them and your social skills will skyrocket and there was a study done recently um Over the pandemic, where they just really asked people, like, do you have close friends? Like, do you have those people in your life who are empathetic, they're sociable, you can trust them with things that you're going through? And 53% of people said that they don't have a close friend. And that again, that's not contingent on, like you're not at the right place at the right time meeting the right people. I just really believe it's because people have such a decline in their ability to attune, keep their word, and really possess emotional intelligence. Like, everyone wants to be intelligent, but no one realizes that, like, the intelligence and the capacity of, of being a human being is so much more emotional than we realize it is. Um, so, again, like, keeping your sense of individuality, your autonomy, like you have to be able to be self-aware and to self-regulate. And that's why I, I grew into the faith as passionately as I did, because prayer was such a A relationship that I was so hungry for like I didn't want to be alone I wanted to be with someone who attuned to me someone who kept their word with me and someone who was so emotionally intelligent they were self-aware they were self-regulated they had motivation in the world and didn't just sit around and watch netflix they were empathetic and they were social and meeting the person of jesus on that real level of my humanity changed my entire life and it it's just it's not like you meet jesus and it goes away like it's this constant relationship that's involved like involved with every day-to-day decision my future who i associate with like i just want to safeguard and protect that relationship because he's made a vow to me and i want to protect it that it just comes with this sense of like i can't wait to bring this into other people's lives like this is so good i've received this from jesus himself that I know what it's like, and I, I'm choosing to work on it. So again, it's it's an in- individual decision that really breaks the barriers of awful things we're experiencing in the world. Um, there's also a study done that low-quality social connections can negatively impact social, emotional, and physical well-being like shallow friendships, low-quality connections, when you have those interactions with people where the quality is so subpar that you start to suffer and become negative socially, emotionally, physically, and your well-being just deteriorates, can really wreak havoc on who we are as people. So emotional intelligence comes with this ability this capacity, right? It's not something that some people have and some people don't. It's a real thing that we can all exercise. Um, but it's it's perceiving, controlling and evaluating your emotions. And that's not to say like, oh, I'm experiencing a lot of fear right now and I am my fear. Again, you perceive that fear you realize you actually can control it, and then you evaluate it to see where it comes from, what's the narrative, what's going on. Um, social, Social interactions really aid to this, but emotional healing is something that you really have to go on a journey with yourself, and it can be learned and strengthened. And again, the faith offers that. Um, I remember when I was in college and I wanted that relationship where someone attuned to me, someone kept their word and someone was emotionally intelligent. I was looking high and low in other people and the people I went on dates with and my friends. And every time that I met someone and they didn't possess all three qualities, I'd be like, screw this. I'm going to be alone forever and it's fine. Um, but then again, I met the Lord and I felt the Lord say, like, if you want someone to possess this, you have to possess this. But again, that came with the whole relationship where all of those hungers that I had for love, while I searched for them in the world, I looked really desperate and attention-seeking to do it. I learned how to regulate and strengthen my own emotions, to acknowledge them, to be so fearless in my ability to cry in front of people and to choose the people that I want to associate with so that I can give and receive a really good quality love. Um, So again, it's this idea of like perceiving your emotions, understanding them, managing them, and then using them for the good, using them for your relationships, um, that self-awareness really contributes to that self-confidence aspect social awareness you get a lot more empathy for other people and you're invested and attuned into them your relationships are developing more inspirational trust than just like hey let's all hang out and we're just around each other um optimism all of the good things that we want in the world start to develop when you're present with yourself actively listening to what's going on following through on your word and what you want for your life Um, and then you can empathize with other people because you actually understand and you've showed yourself that you actually understand you're very mindful and focused And when you can give yourself that attention, or better yet, you can ask the Lord to give you that kind of attention in your prayer with Him, and you know that that's how attuned He is to you when you pray... Now when you do interact with people, you're not so much looking for them to fulfill something in you, but your attention is completely engrossed in that social interaction. You're completely attuned to them and you want to keep your word to them because you understand your facial expressions change. You don't look like you're insecure your tone changes your body language changes this is really like the superpower of life is that in our humanity that we can choose this but unfortunately we're choosing all of these things in the world that do the opposite of this and the the amount of connection that we should and can be having with other people so much stronger than i think we have ever experienced yet um it's those damn phones. I just, I can't help but think it's the phones. If anyone else has any idea of what could be contributing to the f- to the fact that these three things are hard to come by in other people, let me know. Um, I would love to hear from you. My email is speaking.shannon at gmail.com. So I just would love to know what, what people are so afraid to do and and lacking human connection. Um, this isn't a fantasy or something that happens in the movies. This is a reality and my my goal for you and my prayer for you is that the fullness of life, the fullness of love that helps our humanity, especially in these three things, maybe come a part of your daily routine, a part of your self-reflection, your prayer, your mindfulness. And of course that you let the Lord be that for you. Like these three things, you can research and start Google searching and read articles about them. Or you can sit in in the Lord's presence wherever you are and know that that's the kind of attention he gives you. He's attuned to you. He keeps his promise to you. And he has this emotional intelligence that's going to aid to the flourishing of who you are as a human being. So let's not only receive that from the living God every day, every second of the day if we need to, but then go forth and possess that for the whole world in gratitude and abundance.